0: This is the Jim Rome Show on CBS Sports Radio. Bellagio just nailed the fountains right on cue, man. They hit their mark perfectly. Welcome back. We are into hour number two. We are coming to you live from the Strip in Las Vegas. Not Radio Row where I normally am, but the Strip. We are right outside of Bellagio. I will be here the entire week. That's not the rain. That's the fountains behind me. So if you're watching on CBS Sports Network, the visual is insane. Telephone number is toll-free across the United States and in Canada, 1-800-636-8686. If you're watching on CBS Sports Network, you probably already know this. But we start out with number two. We are joined right now by an NB or a DraftKings analyst. He played his college ball at Notre Dame. He's co-host of the Gojo and Golik Show with his father, Mike Golick, on the DraftKings Network. It's weekdays, 8 a.m. Eastern time. He is also a college football game analyst for Learfield Sports. He worked previously for ESPN and ESPN Radio. He is Mike Golick Jr. Mike, it is great to see you, dude. How are you feeling?
1: Honored to be with you. Really excited and uh, really rolled out the red carpet here. You didn't have to do the whole fountain for me here. Incredible.
0: <laughs> dude, they did do that for you. That's not for me. Because that was not happening until you showed up. Look at that, man. We get the whole show. I love it. Listen, let me start off with this. You and I were talking off the air about how different the business is right now. What have the last few years been like for you personally since you bet on yourself and you left ESPN?
1: Uh, it's been an exciting challenge. Uh, we all know a place like ESPN, you know, EB- ESPN, CBS, Fox, NBCs. these titans of the industry that have been around for so long. There's a lot of security that comes with that. And for me, it was an exciting chance, first and foremost, you know, to be a part of, where a lot of this is going. We've seen sports betting and the gambling side of this industry start to be more and more center stage. We're doing the Super Bowl in Vegas, for God's sake. And a play- Can we
0: stop on that for a minute? Yeah. I mean, it was not that long ago that it was so taboo. Oh. It was so taboo. Never mind there's a franchise here. Never mind that there is the actual game here. How wild is it that you and I sit here on the strip talking about the game that's going to be played here?
1: Wasn't it Tony Romo that wasn't allowed to right. go and be at the fantasy football convention or whatever it was? So it's nice that everybody sort of I don't know, looked around and realized like, all right, we're not actually that far apart. It's just a different way to talk about the same thing that we've been discussing. we got a few different numbers. we a few different terms, we're still talking and analyzing ball the same way, and so to get to try and be a part of that as it's on the way up, to have this great creative platform here, to get to do it with dad again, he and I got to do the show together at ESPN for a little while, and now, you know, weren't sure if we'd ever get that opportunity again and so, them giving us that chance and being able to kind of help build this whole thing in a way that we think can be really successful and be a valuable part of what everyone's got going on, and covering this great sport and all the sports. Been a ton of fun.
0: Michael Jr. joining me on the set here in Vegas. You mentioned your father. I had Kevin Kruger on the show to start the program, so we got into this notion of family business, right? Yeah. So his dad is a legendary coach. Your father, a legendary player. I work for my family business. My dad was a legend in his little family business, and then he fired my ass. I'm curious, what's it like <laughs> working with your dad? It could be the best thing ever, or maybe not so.
1: You know what? It really has been, and I think from my standpoint, especially being on air with Dad so much, when I was young and first getting into the industry and didn't know what I didn't know, I didn't realize, you know how when they talk about LeBron James playing with his teammates and he goes around when he meets a new group of teammates and he asks them, hey, where do you want the ball on this particular pass? Where do you want this for me to set you up for the right shot? I had someone who was on air with me, who had literally wiped my butt at a different point in my life, knew me as well or better as anyone's going to know me, and could always set me up in the right way to be successful early on when I'm trying to do that. And so I got such a great foundation because of that. I got to pick his brain on a lot of that, the same way I did when I was a high school football player and a college football player, trying to figure out and navigate places that he had already been to. I had the perfect guide for that. And then when we got to start doing it with each other, I got to obviously be a little bit of a thorn in his side. You can't be the son on air with your dad and not needle him a little bit and think you know better.
0: All right, so I'm curious, like what, what's the dynamic like? Like I have a son who's going to get into the business, and he very clear he never tells anybody who his old man is because he doesn't want to be judged by that. He wants to be judged on his own merit, but also he knows at the same time that hey, it can open a door or two. You'd be pretty foolish not to take advantage of it. It's one thing for your father to play in the NFL, it's another for you to have this same exact name as your father who played in the NFL. So was that the best thing ever growing up? Or at times, was that maybe not the best thing?
1: Uh, You know what? I'd say the positives always far outweighed the negatives. And so much of that's a testament to what Dad built for himself in this industry and his reputation and how well thought of he is that... I got a lot of that carryover. Now I also got, especially in early Twitter, a lot of people thinking I was him online. So when he would have a bad take, I would get cursed <laughs> out in my mentions because of him. And we had to have a little bit of talk about him being smarter on air. But uh, no, in general, he's putting you in bad spots. Yeah, dude. come on, man! You're wrecking already... my feed, Pop. Listen, I'm trying to build the following. Your here. crappy takes are jacking <laughs> up my feed, Pop. You're ruining the algorithm, level Dad. Up, man. Exactly. Oh. You're jacking
0: with the algorithms. That's actually funny. It, right? is,
1: it is, but no, no. At, at every level whether it was as a player or now as a broadcaster. My foot did get in the door in this industry, 100% because of my dad. I am never going to lie about that because it would be disrespectful to everybody else, people who might have lost out in an opportunity because of that. And all I could do, and this was the mindset, my dad's the son of a bricklayer. There's the mindset that got instilled in all of us, which is you go in and you show people how much you care by how you work, and that's always just been the goal. I'm talking to Mike Gold,
0: Jr. I love that analogy. Now, your family is Notre Dame royalty. You, your dad, your Uncle Bob all Irish alums. I'd love to get your thoughts on Sam Hartman. How good of a pro do you think he's going to be, and how deep is this quarterback class?
1: It's a very deep class, and I was thinking about this the other day. When you look at, obviously, this Super Bowl, Brock Purdy is such a big headline. A guy who started 46 straight games to finish off his Iowa State career wasn't the most traitsy quarterback, and you hear so often in the NFL, we draft traits, not production. We're looking for what you're going to be, not what you've been, but for a quarterback like him, for a guy like Aiden O'Connell out here in Las Vegas, another guy, accomplished passer coming out of Purdue in college wasn't the most traitsy guy, but got on the field and all of a sudden was able to make things happen. I wondered if that would start to make teams go, hey, maybe as we get to the later rounds, yeah, we might not be able to justify this guy in the first three rounds, but all of a sudden you get a guy who's got so much veteran experience, who's going to come in with a high floor and be able to manage all the different machinations of an offense, manage all the attention that comes with being in this position, and be able to weather the storm. And Sam would certainly be a guy that checks those boxes because he's seen and been a part of so much football. He's played at such a high level now in multiple offenses, and so I do think that's something that's going to be in a world where so many teams have built up these great rosters around the quarterback, something that might have more value going forward. Well,
0: certainly Brock Purdy is the beneficiary of that, and like I'm one of those guys I'm on the side of Brock Purdy is a really good player. This guy's not just some kind of hack that they stuck in this great system. You, if that were the case, anybody could do it, and I don't think that everybody can do what he can do, so why don't you just weigh in on that tired argument? Are we talking about a system quarterback Are we talking about a special player or maybe something in between?
1: I think we're talking about a player who comes in with so much moxie and composure already. I think it's really been under. How big about. is that?
0: How big is that in a huddle and to get your veteran teammates respect? You Just the way you carry yourself. You
1: saw it from Nick Bosa. That soundbite that went viral after the last game, where Nick asked him, "Did you always believe you were going to be this good?" Nick said, "I was the number two overall pick, and I had doubts." How are you this put together? I can tell you that absolutely emanated. When I was at Notre Dame, I was a fifth-year senior on a team that went twelve and zero, and we had a red-shirt freshman quarterback named Edford Golson who was there. And on the sideline, we would always talk about when ev would come over to us in between series and address the o-line he was always so calm he was always so steady and so it's like all right even though this guy's young He's not phased by this moment. It's not too big for him. and said that goes, okay, we can calm down and just focus on what we have to do. We don't have to play above and beyond to offset this guy. And even though this roster's got so many great pieces around him, they all look at their quarterback and go, all right, he, he's going to be ready. He's going to be good and hold up his end, and so we don't have to press.
0: Mike Oick Jr. is my guest live here in Vegas. And hey, Mike, if Nick Bosa had doubts, if Nick Bosa fought his confidence, what the
1: hell kind of chance do any of us have? <laughs> I was going to say, if I looked like that, <laughs> I promise the last thing I would lack is confidence. The only thing I would lack is a shirt at any time.
0: Dude, I wouldn't even own a shirt.
1: Wouldn't Why own I a bother? shirt. I'd have the shortest shorts imaginable. You'd see me walking out here in this freezing cold here, birthday suit, just letting everybody know. So if you're right, that's the ultimate reminder, though, of how incredibly mental this sport is. This gladiator sport still comes down to so much of that space between your ears in order for these guys to be successful.
0: Did you train that when you played? I mean, we know how big it is right now. Yeah. Did you train that when you played? In other words, like, would you go into the mental gym and work that muscle like you would any other gym and any other muscle?
1: Oh, yeah. I I mean, back then, sports psychology was a little bit more burgeoning at that point. It wasn't quite as ubiquitous as it is now, but we had a sports psychologist we worked with at Notre Dame. The idea of mental reps for me, a guy that was a backup for a lot of my time before I got to start in college, an undrafted free agent trying to make rosters in the NFL, so much of your time is, hey, I've got to be able to see this through what another guy's rep is looking like. got to get mental reps out there. I've got to train myself in the playbook, in the film room, so that when the opportunity's there... I'm locked in enough to be able to go and execute physically, even if I haven't gotten all those same reps. So, yeah, you have to work that, especially if you're a guy that's trying to make use of limited opportunities to go out there and try and get results. I mean, that,
0: That's the biggest challenge, right? You have to stay ready for something that may or may not happen, but when it does happen, you better be ready and you better execute, because you might not get another chance.
1: 100%. That's, that was always the idea, is when you're on the field, you're afraid that you're never going to get back on if you go off, and when you're off the field, you're constantly sitting around chomping at the a bit, trying to make sure, all right, I've been dialed in and ready to go when this finally comes, when this is finally my time. Goes back to, again, the other feather in Brock Purdy's cap is being ready when that happened. Yeah, he's got all these guys around him, and it's a healthy environment to grow up in, you know? He's been ready for everything. He's been able to play freely because he's got guys that are going to be able to bail him out in certain spots but now you see the benefit of all that confidence. Look at the last two games. Down in the second half in a way the 49ers, as constructed, aren't supposed to be able to come back from right now and the quarterback who hadn't played well early in those games says, alright, I can turn it on now and isn't afraid to thread the needle across the middle of the field, isn't afraid to throw back across his body to Kyle check in the middle of the field. All of those things happen because you've got the right environment but still got a guy who was ready for the moment and confident enough in himself.
0: We are talking to Mike Gola Jr. For a couple more moments. So, you were DraftKings. Break this down for me. The number seems to have settled at two for several days right now. I mean, do you like Patrick and the value, or are you going to lean towards laying those points because of all that explosiveness and talent the 49ers have?
1: You and I were talking before. I have picked against Patrick Mahomes (laughs) and these Chiefs in the last two rounds. I did it against the Bills, thinking I was the smart guy. This was finally their year. I did it against the Ravens, thinking this defense, Lamar Jackson's the MVP. I'm not picking against him a third time. Patrick Mahomes is getting points. I'm going to take him here. And I think there's a lot of football reasons outside of just that narrative. A lot of the matchup with the defense in the way that I think we're finally catching up to respecting from Kansas City. I think the way that they've adjusted their personnel in the postseason on offense, battening down the hatches a little bit, multiple tight end sets, allowing them to take maybe fewer risks down the field overall, but maximize those opportunities more in the way we've seen with Travis Kelsey, Marquez Valdez Scantling with three of the biggest catches in the postseason the last two games. And so I think those against a 49ers defense that up front has had trouble stopping the run are enough for me to say, yeah, there's football on my side as well to make that pick.
0: In fact, how big of an issue is that, their run defense going into this game? Because that, that has been an issue the last few games.
1: Huge, a- and it's an area where really in the last couple of years, the Chiefs, their under center run game is something they've been more willing to lean into. That's a punch, and it's why now this Kansas City Chiefs team that's in dynasty territory, as we know, is starting to resemble the Brady Belichick Patriots because the hallmark of those teams was we can be whatever we need to be for the moment. And now this Kansas City Chiefs team that morphed from the greatest show on turf with Mahomes and Tyree Kill for so long is now with this ground-and-pound, win-with-defense group that also still, with two minutes left in the game, will say, hey, Pat, you can go and throw it deep to ice this game because we also trust that portion too. So I think that run game is really going to be the difference for both teams. This could be a game where both sides decide we're going to try and hammer this ground game. Christian McCaffrey against the Chiefs defense that's also struggled with some of that up front. It's going to be good old-fashioned knockdown dragout football in a way that warms my offensive lineman heart.
0: I love it. So really quickly, Thomas Dimitrov came on, and he's kind of an old-school guy. Love the guy. Love his basketball or his football mind. And... He comes from the old school, though, and he said initially, I just didn't understand the whole Taylor Swift thing. Like, distraction, distraction, <laughs> distraction. Dude, you're a younger guy, and it is what it is. Is this, I mean, does this bother you at all? Do you have any issue with it on any level?
1: Oh, no, Jim, I'm a car carrying Swifty, too. I went to three stops on the Eras tour here. I was watching the Grammys last <laughs> night where she set records. Now, the uh, only artist in the history of the Grammys with four album of the year wins. So, no, to me, this has been a dream for the NFL. Oh, I know that's true, for sure. A dream for the NFL. But it's awesome. My whole thing has always been I want more people around football who feel like they can be here. And a friend of mine, Nora Princiati, who does a great job writing for the ringer and covering both the NFL and Taylor Swift there said it. More people need to feel like they have a place in football that doesn't need to be so self-serious. It doesn't need to be so X's and O's. They don't need to be grinding tape. They can enjoy the parts that they want to enjoy, but still feel like they have a place at the table here. And I think that's something that this entire season has taught us. Hey,
0: listen, one last thought. Andy Reid is the oldest of the old yeah. school. If he were to tell you honestly, what do you think that he thinks about the whole thing? Or does he not care?
1: I think Andy, at this point, doesn't care at all. He's been used to his quarterback being a massive star, his tight end and Travis Kelsey being a big personality. Yeah, but dude, as you know,
0: she's a bigger star
1: than any of them. 100%. The only people I think care, stadium security. All those people that now have a little bit of a different task on game day, trying to smuggle her in and out of the stadium, they might care a little bit. Andy Reid's worried about what he's going to do with Nick Bosa and the rest of that 49ers defense. So last
0: thought, what do you think he does? If they win this weekend, could you see him walking off and calling it a day at 65? Or could you flip that on his head and say, Man, why the hell would
1: he leave? He's got Patrick Mahomes, who's 28. I could see Andy continuing to ride this thing until the wheels fall off. And it'll be interesting because for us all in sports talk, what an interesting debate. There is going to be a life with Patrick Mahomes without Andy Reid at some point, but they have a real chance to do some unprecedented stuff with the run they're on. I can't see him walking off the podium.
0: Mike, unbelievable energy, tremendous content. Really appreciate you stopping by, man. You made it much better. Thank Thanks you very for much. I appreciate it. Really good it. to see you. Mike Golick Jr., I love that. Great content, great energy, and that picked us all up. I know it's good because even Dodger, jano my wife hit me up on a text in the middle of the interview and said quote i love this guy's energy (laughs) so you got the dodger jano let's go let's go all right we'll take a short time out we are coming to you live from the strip we are here all week long not on radio road but rather on the strip right outside the bellagio hit me up on the phones 1-800-636-8686 appreciate you mike thanks so much thanks jim gas, groceries, utilities, you name it, the price of everything is going up. And if you're stuck in a bad timeshare with rising maintenance fees, the financial burden can be crushing. It is time to get your finances in order and get the real facts about that timeshare that you think you're stuck in. You might not be. There are options for getting rid of it. Chuck McDowell, founder of Wesley Financial Group, has been helping families out of terrible timeshares for over a decade now and has put together a complete timeshare exit information kit that he will send you absolutely free. To date, over 30,000 families have trusted Wesley Financial Group to To help them out of financial hardship by getting them out of these bad timeshares and they might be able to do the same thing for you too to get the facts about how the timeshare industry works and what your options are for cancellation simply call wesley right now for your free timeshare exit kit and see how you can become timeshare free call 800-462-3333 800-462-3333 that's 800-462-3333 you're listening to the jim rome show Welcome back. We are live in Las Vegas on the Strip, having a tremendous time already. Looky here. My man checking in really quickly before I get to my next guest. Legendary XR4TIer who has gone on to become a superstar in the media business. Kyle Brandt hitting me up on my text. Quote, holy bleep, that set dude, it looks spectacular. It's not Ryan, it's Ryan. <laughs> KB, I'm proud of you, bro. Looking forward to seeing you in Las Vegas. So always good to get a heads up and get the props I had a from a ball. <laughs> he did have a ball. <laughs> That's KB. All right. As promised, we're joined right now. I'm going to keep this thing moving. We are live and we are not on the road. We are on the strip. We are in Las Vegas. I'll be here the entire week. We are joined right now by somebody you've heard on the program, but we were just talking about how it's nice to come together personally. He is a senior NFL writer for The Athletic. He is also a pro football Hall of Fame selector. He is co-host of the Football GM Podcast. He is co-author of the Football 100. He is Mike Sando. Mike, how you doing, man? Good to see you. It's great to be here, Jim. Always love doing your show and love being here at another Super no, I appreciate it. Great to have you here. Let me ask you, four years ago, the Niners and the Chiefs met in the Super Bowl. Go big picture. How different is this Kansas City team oh, from the one that beat the Niners in Miami? Unbelievable. They are one of the
2: younger teams now. They've, they've got, I believe, seven or eight of their defensive starters were drafted since 2020. Uh, so they've pulled off what's very difficult in football. It's very hard to have the best quarterback, pay them a ton of money, and be good on defense. So to reinvent yourself with a young defense... That's the holy grail of football. Almost no one's been able to do that, especially teams with offensive coaches. Look at the Aaron Rodgers, Mike McCarthy era, right? Great era, one ring. Look at Drew Brees with Sean Payton. Great era, some really bad defenses, one ring. Peyton Manning, even in Indy, they were great on offense. They couldn't get the defense right. So what they've done with Mahomes,
0: I mean, it's unbelievable. You, you don't see it happen. All right. And, and part of that was moving Tyreek Hill to yeah. free up some of that money. And they have reinvented themselves. What about the flip side of that? Like, they've made—I mean, nobody gets it right every single time, but they've made mostly all the right moves. San Francisco has made some moves that could have been absolutely catastrophic yeah. and devastating, right? Yet, here they are.
2: It's really unbelievable.
0: To Lay that wi- out. Yeah. To, to really, the year that
2: Mahomes went to Kansas City, remember, they took Solomon Thomas— in the top three of the draft so right there that's a misstep that could really haunt your franchise for years but because Kyle Shanahan is such a good uh, schemer and they've built up the weapons there they were able to win with Jimmy G now you take a big swing at Trey Lance okay well this is going to be fatal we gave up the farm multiple ones no one survives everyone around the league is whispering these guys are going to be fired these guys are going to be fired not fired they reload with Brock Purdy but again, you could say total luck. You hey, get my brought, man,
0: not fired is one thing. Yeah.
2: Back in the Super Bowl yeah. is another, right? <laughs> yes. It's really unbelievable. And they do have a good team. It's just hard to miss that big, especially at the quarterback position, and live to not only tell about it, but to thrive with it. It's really remarkable. It's a testament to them. I mean, they've, they've put together a build that I would never recommend to anyone else. They did it. I think the Chiefs is more of a, okay, you can see what they did. It followed a natural progression and it totally made sense. You should try that too, right? The 49ers, I don't think anybody could try that. They've done it. They get the credit for it, but it's kind of a one-off.
0: Yeah, so what I'm hearing from you is they went about it in totally different ways, yet they end up in the same spot. They're right back here. Let me ask you about Kansas City's receivers. They took a lot of heat earlier this season, rightfully so. Mm -hmm. How do they look to you now?
2: This whole team looks like a great championship boxer to me. If you go back and watch Muhammad Ali... He was fat in the tune-up fights. He was, came in at 228, 230, had a little dad bod roll on the side. But when he got in the ring with Frazier, when he got in the ring with Foreman, he looked 10 years younger than he was. He was ready to go. And I think for this Chiefs team that has been to the mountaintop, you can't fake the importance of the games. And I think they've dialed in. Now, some development, too. I think the young receiver, Rasheed Rice, has no doubt. That's part of his natural arc. But MVS, even Kelsey, these guys are dialed in. Like a championship fighter that gets up for the big fights, but you can't tell them it's a big fight when they're playing, when they're fighting some tune-up guy,
0: you know, who's trying to make a name for himself. So, did we get the better part of 17 games? Like the rope-a-dope?
2: It was a little bit of a -a rope-a-dope. I don't think it was intentional. You know, I think they were frustrated. I think Pat Mahomes was really wondering, probably at some point, are we going to be able to pull this out? They convinced me that they weren't going to be able to pull out of it offensively. I mean, at a certain point, you go, you are what you are, right?
0: Yeah, I didn't buy it, and I gave up on them. I gave up on them, and here they are. And, and yeah. by the way, they know that we all gave up on them, yeah. right? You yeah. look at Patrick Mahomes. He is such a good dude. But underneath it all, even with that arm talent and what a good guy he is, man, never mistake this guy for not being the ruthless killer that he is, right? He really, really is. I, I think he's you know, a unique
2: quarterback among championship quarterbacks. Okay? We talk about they have a good defense now. They didn't always have that. Look at the great winning quarterbacks. Terry Bradshaw, Roger Staubach in the 70s, they had defenses that, with their own names, Doomsday, all this type of stuff. You get into the you get into the 80s and you think Joe Montana, great offense, they led the league in the 80s in fewest points allowed, okay? You get into the 90s, you got Aikman, you got Favre, you get Brady. They all had Hall of Fame defenses with guys that are wearing gold jackets. So for Mahomes to already have a couple rings, In his back pocket, on his finger, without having defenses that were anything to write home about. Now you give him that? I think it's shown what he's done now is different than what those other quarterbacks did early in their careers.
0: And it's a credit to him. All right, so he's done all those things. It's a credit to him. Yet... In the Football 100, he's currently (laughs) number 98, my guy. Oh man. Why why is he only 98, and are you going to move him up? Regardless of what happens this weekend, do you move him up based on the fact that he's back here?
2: Well, no doubt. So the Football 100 book, the concept was really three years ago we were doing this, and we, we wrote a series of stories about all the guys. At that point, Early on, I don't think we even had him in there in the first draft. We were like, because he hadn't played. We're talking to add two okay. more seasons for the Super Bowl win. Then we got to the point where they won the Super Bowl last year. We had to sort of write him into it. We said, okay, at this point, he's got to be in there. But it's weird when they haven't played that long. I mean, I think he's trending into the top ten here. At a certain point, when you check the box of did he play long enough, he wins this one, how would you leave him out?
0: I was going to say, like if you wrote the book today yeah. Yeah.
2: before this game, is
0: he top ten? <sighs> That's a
2: great question. I mean, I don't know if you go that high of guys with fifteen years, but the fact that you're able to ask the question, and I'm not like, oh, come th- th- on, th- that it's a fair this question. Is totally right? Premature. It means you got to think about it. And he's
0: 28. That's incredible. It's that, yeah. a fair question. What about tra- <laughs> look? At least he's on the list. What about tra- Travis Kelsey? Yeah. Should so, he should he have been on the list? What yeah. was your thinking on that?
2: Yeah, I think he probably should now. Um, so Travis Kelsey, I've done a lot of study. We talked about this on uh, on our show when we were talking about Torrey Holt and some of the great wide receivers. So I found a way to look at the best eight seasons of every receiver in history's career, wide receivers, okay? And to evaluate their performance against their peers, all right? There's only one tight end in the history of the game that factors up there with wide receivers by his production, and that's Travis Kelsey. Now, we can argue that Gronk was a better blocker. We can talk about, you know, back in the day, Tony Gonzalez this or... You can go all the way back. But his production in receiving yardage is that of a good wide receiver, of a top wide receiver, of somebody that you might consider as being on the fringes of Hall of Fame wide receiver talk, oh. okay?
0: You do that as a tight end. That's an, amaz- that's an amazing thing you just said, right? Yeah,
2: you're a one-off. He's a one-off. There's no one like him. So you can, you can talk about his blocking all you want. I don't care. He is, he is a unique receiver at that position. Now totally in tune with a quarterback. Like they were saying the other day, they don't, they don't even know what routes they're running. It just makes sense. These are two basketball players. This is, you know... This is Magic it's, Johnson it's not even having art, to think about playground. it. the this this playground, right? Yeah,
0: exactly. Mike Sandro joining us. Mike, i want to ask you something. What yeah. about the Ravens? Like, for much of the year, it looked like Lamar Jackson and the Ravens would be playing this game Sunday. He had an incredible year. He'll be the MVP. Yeah. But that loss to the Chiefs drops him to 2-4 and four in the playoffs. How do you explain that and what needs to change going forward? Well, I think, in general, their move
2: to become a little bit more of a pass-oriented offense with three wide receivers is probably the smart thing to do. I think in the end, though, they've got away a little bit from the Lamar designed to run component. And I think, look, he's a fine pocket passer. He's not an elite pocket passer. He, he's not going to be in will, the top will five he quarterbacks. Ever, will he ever be? If they uh, commit probably, to it, probably, probably they do not. This. You know, probably not. But that doesn't mean he's not good at it. But what is the real secret weapon is the fact that from a designed run quarterback run component, he scares you to death. So I bet you, like, if I could go back, if they could go back do all the stuff you did with opening up the offense you know he did have a good season he did make strides he did improve but I would have loved to have seen more of a quarterback run game plan when it mattered because I think some of the shift away from that was like hey long term this is probably the best he has to grow in this way it's probably the best for him in a durability standpoint guys don't get necessarily hurt running the ball as quarterbacks but they wear down it's a cumulative effect it's like taking punches okay so The Chiefs didn't really have to worry about that. They had two designed runs, a few scrambles. Are you hamstringing what makes him truly special? Because otherwise, you might have a quarterback who's a good pocket passer, but not so
0: good that you're going to beat Patrick Mahomes, right? See, I wonder what you do, because if they don't make that change in the short term, maybe we are talking about them right now. But to your point, in the long term, it's better for his longevity. They have a plan. They're trying to install their plan, develop the plan, and make it a long-term thing. But you know, historically, you study this, nothing's guaranteed. How do you know you're going to get back?
2: Oh, I always feel when teams miss their best opportunities that, that it comes back to bite them. There's just team after team. I remember I was covering the 49ers when they lost that championship game at home to the Giants. They were the better team. Oh, they'll get back. Their window's open. Well, yeah, they got back with, like, a different coaching staff five or six years later. So it's a major missed opportunity. Look, look at the Seattle great team of 10 years ago, the second time to win it. Oh, they'll be back. They got Russell Wilson. This, these guys, no, Cam Chancer's career ends, right? Now Russ is making money. Now the rise of another team in the NFC. All these things happen, like Buffalo. Was, Buffalo's okay. had their window. I was,
0: I was going to wait for you to finish and say, what about Buffalo? Yeah. Has that window already slammed shut? No,
2: because I think Josh Allen is there, and they were close to beating Kansas City this year. So, but they have a problem. What they have to do is what Kansas City did. They're highly leveraged with their contracts right now. They have to build a young defense from the ground up now, like Kansas City did, to be able to afford. Josh Allen and to support him, that defense has gotten older.
0: They're bringing back Von Miller most likely because they kind of need to. I was going yeah. to say, what's more painful? I'm sorry. What's more painful? Bringing back Von Miller and Stephon Diggs or letting them go and having to deal with yeah. the gap consequences?
2: And they're they're deciding. Well, it's probably worse to get rid of them because they're they're kind of doubling down. They're they're at that blackjack table over here, and they're like they're kind of pot committed now, and they've realized they've got
0: and they're their, not and they're not what they were.
2: They're not what they were. They, they realize that it's probably not best to uh, double down right here. You know, it's probably not by the book to double down, but oh, we've already got a thousand bucks out here. <laughs> you know, let's just put another 300 on there or whatever. We'll chase it and, you know it's probably better than walking up and
0: leaving from the table. All right, speaking of the book, we are in Vegas. What about this weekend? Obviously, you've thought about this. You know the yeah. matchups. Yeah. How do you see this one? What is your early lean? Do you have a prediction? Yeah,
2: I've been going with the Chiefs and Mahomes all through the playoffs. I just have, I just, especially when you get points. The, this 49er team, I think only the 10th team since 2000 has been favored every game throughout a whole season, counting playoffs. Uh, and so that's awesome. But I feel like the Chiefs are doing this and they're getting better and they're on point right now. I feel like the 49ers sort of had that and now they're not bad but they've tripped a couple times. It's looked a little wobbly. Suddenly you're down a bunch of points in Detroit. You're you didn't look good against Green Bay. Are they peaking right now? Uh, or, or surviving or, or holding on a little bit. So, I'm not no no way am I betting against Mahomes. No way I take the Chiefs any day of the week. You give me points. You kidding me? I'll live with it. If it comes out the other way, I'll live with it. It's still a good decision.
0: That seems to be the consensus early in the week. He's the co author of The Football 100. He is a senior NFL writer for The Athletic, also a Pro Football Hall of Fame selector. Mike Sando in person. Mike, always appreciate you on the show, and especially here in person, man. Thank you so much for that. Hey, thank you. Appreciate great to see you, Mike Sando. Great job. All right, we will take a short timeout. We are at the bottom of the hour. Telephone number is toll free 1-800-636-8686. You can get through. Hit me up. We are live in Vegas. I think the rain has stopped momentarily. just feels good, man. We have an amazing setup, an amazing set, great view. We will be here the entire week right here on the Strip. Right now, time for a sports update. Here's the very latest. Here's Mitch Ackerman. CBS Sports Live from Las Vegas, site of Super Bowl 58, this is the Jim Rome Show on CBS Sports Radio. Tony, I hope you're lucky enough to get to a TV and watch it on CBS Sports Network. The view, the scene, the set are absolutely incredible. Quick reminder, with Wendy's Breakfast, two for three dollar biggie bundles, you can choose the pair you want. Limited time only during breakfast hours. U.S. price and participation may vary. Not valid in a combo single item at regular price. I will be on the strip all week long. We're not on Radio Row. We're actually right outside the Bellagio and we're maxing out on guests. So if you're new to it, this is what we generally do during the Super Bowl week. There are windows, there are opportunities. You can hit me up toll-free, 1-800-636-8686. But we're joined right now on the set by somebody who played nine years in the NFL. He was the 13th pick overall coming out of Colorado in 1991. He is a member of the Colorado Hall of Fame. He is the lead NFL analyst for VEASAN. I'm talking about Mike Pritchard. Had to bring him back. Mike, it is great to see you, man. How are you feeling? Jim, it's great to be on the desk with you. I'm feeling great. A
3: little cold, a little chilly, but that's okay. Are you really? Uh, a little bit, um, but... I- your game is strong today because you're, you know, going through the elements right now. So normally people are like under like a convention center comfort, right? Heater, all this stuff. Look at you. Jack it Dude, up. And I,
0: I, I would love to take credit for that, man, but this, you know, <laughs> you know, this ain't nothing, man. This, the, the elements are when you go out on the road, like I, I was, the, I always tell a story, but I was at the AFC Championship right. game in Kansas City a few years back. Dude, those were elements. Yeah, those I mean, I had elements. like lockjaw. Oh, yeah. I thought it was dead. Yeah. I thought I was going to die. This is actually kind of balmy, man. Yeah, this, this is, is nice. nice. This is nice. It's different from Vegas,
3: but it's nice. It's going to get better uh, as the week goes on, though. All right, so far
0: so good, and good to see you. you too. Now, you were a fierce, fierce competitor when you played. Your teammate at Colorado, Eric Bieniemy. Mm-hmm. Fierce, fierce dude, but I know that you told Patrick Mahomes, you told him that Patrick Mahomes might be the fiercest competitor he's ever come across. Right. What's that tell you about Mahomes? Well, I
3: mean, it's the other way around. Eric, so yeah, talking to Eric uh, as the offense coordinator back in the day before uh, this previous season, um, yeah, he said, Pritch, you know, this guy uh, is the most fierce competitor I've ever come across. And that's, that's a bold statement from Eric because if you know Eric, be Eric the enemy. Uh, you know he's a fierce competitor. Um, and certainly my days with, with him at Colorado and certainly as a coach in the National Football League, he is relentless, right, when it comes to perfection, it comes to uh, getting guys to get their, give their best efforts, right? Uh, but you don't have to motivate Patrick Mahomes. That's what he said. This guy motivates himself. Uh, and he's driven. He's driven to be the best and, and, and driven to be perfect out there.
0: Right. So what about EB? EB is fierce. He yeah. coaches guys hard. Mm-hmm. He pushes guys hard. He wants to get the most out of them. He wants them to realize their potential. Is the game changing? I mean, look at everybody who's getting hired, and right. look who's not getting hired. Do you think that hard-nosed, old-school mentality is hurting him in the hiring process?
3: I, yes, yes, because, you know, and, and I don't want to come across as that get-off-my-lawn guy, that old guy that played in the day, but uh, Football is different. You know, uh, player safety is, is paramount. Pa- player safety is at the forefront of everything. Uh, and I-, I think the attitude towards being hard-nosed or, or being old school uh, is, is um, rejected, right, you know, from today's athlete. I think today's athletes, they want to be nurtured. I think today's ath- athletes, they want to be told how great they are as opposed to, in my day, guys going out there and proving it. Because he had to. I mean, you're going up against the best. You knew that uh, you're not going to be given anything, uh, and certainly entitlement was not even in the equation, right? Uh, but you have entitlement these days. But you also have to have. You're entitled to sit
0: your ass on the bench <laughs> if you don't do it. If you don't well, do what we're
3: telling you. Sure. I mean, look at Nicole Hardman. Hardman uh, when he fumbled the ball, right? Fumbled the ball, and, and so he wasn't even really involved in the game plan the next week. So I, I think there's some accountability still out there, uh, but not to the level as it was when you're a hard school, old school coach. And so I think. Uh, maybe there's need to be adjustment uh, along the way in terms of what Eric wants to do with his career moving forward in the National Football League. And maybe the league kind of figure out the way that they want to go, which road they want to go down in terms of hard-nosed or not hard-nosed.
0: Mike Pritchard is joining us right here on the set. You know, when you have a quarterback like Patrick Mahomes, mm-hmm. and he not only is like the greatest talent that oh, we've man. seen, right? But when he's got that kind of fire, he's got that kind of intensity, what, how does that impact the rest of the locker room?
3: Well, he elevates everybody. Uh, I mean... Like, he doesn't have Tyreek Hill, and, and so everybody was worried about that. But you don't have to have Tyreek Hill when you, when you have a guy like Patrick Mahomes because he elevates you. Uh, I had the fortunate uh, opportunity to play with John Elway uh, and Warren Moon. And playing with those caliber of quarterbacks there's a certain standard, uh, right? And, and you have to live up to that. If you don't, they'll let you know. You know, don't be good, be great. Warren Moon said that to me in the middle of a game. Uh, I had caught two touchdowns. had to, had a chance for a third one. Uh, And he came up to me, asked me what happened on that play. I was like, well, I just missed it, right? Well, don't be good, be great, right? And it's just a different standard. So I think Patrick Mahomes um, is that type of quarterback, that caliber of quarterback. And and certainly the players around him understand that. He's, He's fortunate to have Kelsey, who is a Hall of Famer. But all those other guys, all those other role players, they understand they have to elevate their game, though.
0: All right, so what about Elway? What? How did he lead, and what was he like to play with?
3: Oh, man, <laughs> Elway was a dream. I mean, I, he watched us play in college. We, they used to come up to Boulder uh, and watch us play as we were winning a national championship, and, and vice versa. We would go down to Mile High and watch them, the three amigos, and everybody. But getting in a hel- huddle with Elway, one, I was awestruck. I'm like, this guy's calling me a play. I'm in the huddle with John Elway. And then, two, was just... It's just the fact that I knew he was going to elevate my game. I knew if I was on top of my job, if I was getting open, if I was creating any type of separation, uh, the ball could come my way and to be ready on every single play. He elevated Rod Smith to, I I think, the best receiver in Broncos history, Ed McCaffrey. Uh, I mean, it's historic what John Elway was able to do uh, with his career out there in Denver. But no, the standard standard was just off the charts, and uh, it's hard to describe. But uh, it's something I've missed dearly for for a couple of decades now.
0: Mike Pritchard joining us. Now, Mike, when you and I spoke back in September, Mm -hmm. we talked about the impact that Coach Prime had on Colorado. They got off to that amazing start. Things then kind of went sideways. They got kind of rough. Looking back on that season, what kind of thoughts do you have?
3: Well, first of all, I I love the beginning of the season. I I love the enthusiasm. I love the excitement for the program again because the program was in the basement. Uh, we all know that. Uh, the program was not even relevant. Uh, and certainly, uh, Coach Prime brought relevancy to the program, which was important. You need to do that to get the type of athletes that he has right now. Uh, and now the wins will come. I think, I think the easy part is upon Deion Sanders, Coach Prime. The hard part was changing the culture, right? Uh, and so he's done that. And now... This next recruiting class that he has, the incoming players that he has, I mean, that's better than what he had last year. So he's going to continue to build it that way, and then the wins will come. I I love the fact that we started off so hot, surprised people, and now you're not going to surprise people, and now you're going to get the best shot. Uh, along with the, the media attention as well. And, and that's, that's okay. I think Coach Prime can handle it. But he's recruiting players that understand that and can handle it as well.
0: All right. So I think not everybody remembers this, but the fact is the Falcons selected you with yep. the 13th pick in 1991. Then they took Brett Favre in the second round. <laughs> the story goes he threw right. you three touchdown passes in your first preseason game. What do you remember about him and his ability at that time? Oh,
3: my goodness. Uh, there's a lot to remember about the great Brett Favre back then. Um, you know we started that preseason we had five preseason games he actually threw me two and then the backup quarterback at that time threw me a, the third one i caught three total but uh brett was determined to be the best quarterback to ever play the game even though he wasn't going to get any run that year we had chris miller who was a pro bowler jerry glanville loved him uh we had continuity with the offense in a run and shoot uh that year we went to the playoffs too so you know brett farve kind of got buried on that roster along with Billy Joe Tolliver, right? He's behind Billy Joe Tolliver. It really is incredible, but you know, his confidence and his stubbornness, I think, helped him persevere, though. And what I mean by that is that he continually believed that he was going to be the best quarterback to ever play the game. And once he got his opportunity, he proved that.
0: Dude, yo, you've been around some quarterbacks now. At three Hall of Fame you right? You've been around some quarterbacks now. <laughs> sure. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, we can include Darian
3: Hagan because I think he belongs in the College Football Hall of Fame. To be okay. honest with you. So that, make, make make that argument for him. Oh, I mean, a thousand, thousand back in the day when everybody was running a wishbone and an option game, uh, we were throwing it. Uh, I averaged twenty six yards of reception uh, from Darian Hagan uh, back there when we won That's the national championship. Yeah, absolutely. That's your dude. Absolutely. Dude. And we called him Mr. Magic. You know, he was a guy similar to Patrick Mahomes. Didn't have the build. Obviously, you know, you you couldn't play in the National Football League, but uh, phenomenal, phenomenal. One of the best college quarterbacks we've ever seen.
0: All right. So you mentioned Jerry Glanville. dude, what a character. What a character. What was he like to play for? And then what was his football acumen like? I mean, was he all show or was he a football guy? No, he was a football
3: guy uh, through and through. I, I think what we see with Wink Martindale today, that was Jerry Glanville back in the day. Uh, the grits Blitz, remember that back oh, in yeah. the 70s oh, yeah, with, the, with the Falcons? Um, and, and so, you know, he, I think he was ahead of his time in terms of what the league has evolved into now. Like, we're pass-happy in the National Football League. And so, with the Blitz schemes that he had, the man-to-man coverages that he had, the, the confusion he liked to uh, project to a quarterback, that was before this time that we're seeing right now. And, and so, uh, it, it, w- it worked from time to time. Obviously, we got to the playoffs, like I mentioned but it wasn't consistent enough, right? He didn't have uh, the stable of players uh, across the board that he needed to run that type of system. But you can find those guys today, though. You mentioned Wink Martindale. What do you
0: make of him dropping an F-bomb on Brian Dable and just walking out? <laughs> I, you
3: know what? I, hey, man, you know, some things happen. <laughs> That's how I uh, can equate that. You, you know, the dysfunction behind the scenes, you know, I, I wish that could come to, to the surface a lot of times.
0: I, we can't have... Uh, I mean, a year earlier, he was, Dable was the
3: greatest sure. coach ever, man. Of course, of course. But, you know, there's tension on silence. Yeah. Oh, Finish yeah. that point, the dysfunction behind right. the scenes
0: that we never know about. Right, right.
3: A lot of it's ego. A lot of it's ego. Uh, a lot of it is uh, you're not on the same page. I mean, we see that from time to time with losing teams and uh, teams that just can't get it right. I mean, we know who they are, right? The usual suspects in that regard. Uh, the teams that do get it right, the teams that are on the same page during the playoffs... And they're playing here in Vegas for Super
0: Bowls. Right. And it's not a coincidence either. There's a reason for it. All right. So you're with VEASAN Mm -hmm. and you're doing your thing. Break it down, man. How do you see Sunday's game? Where are the keys?
3: Who do you like? I tell you what, uh, both teams run the same scheme. Um, And and they're from two different trees, right? Kyle, obviously, from Mike Shanahan's tree. Creativity, galore. Uh, And then Andy from Mike Holmgren's uh, tree, which I play for both head coaches. Uh, So creativity versus uh, structure and precision. Uh, I, I think Patrick Mahomes will make some plays. I think he's incredible. You cannot stop that guy uh, from making plays. I like, I like Kansas City. Uh, you know, I, I think San Francisco, they've started off slow uh, in the playoffs. They can't start off slow and then try to come back against this defense. Uh, Detroit uh, and Green Bay, those are two different defenses. They right?
0: don't come back on people, or at no. least we were led to believe sure. they don't come back on yeah, people. Those,
3: those are two different defenses, though. Kansas City, I, I don't think with spags out there, I don't think they come back uh, in the fashion that they did at home. You know, this is a neutral field. So, uh, no, I'm leaning towards Kansas City right now.
0: Mike Pritchard joining us on set. Mike, I appreciate you. It was great to have you on the show. I wanted to run you down in your town. Thank you for making time for it and braving the elements, man. Absolutely. This is nothing
3: like you said. I love it. Thanks a
0: lot for having me on the show. Appreciate you, All right. Thank you. He's had a great football life, a tremendous football life, member of the Colorado Hall of Fame, 13th pick overall in 1991 out of Colorado. That's Mike Pritchard, Our number three, coming up next.